This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. Well then, we are, dude, we passed 10 episodes. This is like episode 7,211, if I'm it's, not... I believe so, in dog I was, years. I may have been rounding up to the nearest 7,211. But not in real dog years, in the kind of dog that Red 13 is. Right, but we haven't recorded quite a few episodes. We, we sure have. We sure have, John! And what's the name of this podcast again? Uh, it is, you have found your way to Unqualified, a video game podcast where two people that have no business talking about video games talk all about video games. We do talk all about video games. Can I hear you make some noise? What? episode you're going to talk about Diablo 3 in just a couple of minutes. That's foreshadowing, folks. That was foreshadowing. Not to be, not to be confused with foreplay, which really is all this podcast is. And speaking of Diablo 3, you went to an anime convention. How do you like that transition? That was the second worst transition I've ever heard. Right behind this one. Speaking of Diablo 3, yeah, no, I went to ASIN, uh, Anime Central in Chicago. Well, in Rosemont, but... okay. It's honorary Chicago. And I went to the uh, Video Game Orchestra concert. Have you heard of Video Game Orchestra? You know, I I went to Video Games Live when I lived in D.C. for a summer. Mm -hmm. um, But that's the only video game concert other than a Nobu Amatsu concert uh, that I've I've ever been to. Yeah. um, So Video Games Live, I've been to several times. I've been to three or four times now. Um, And they're good. They're a little blue man group, like, poppy... For me, I like just kind of sticking to the music. Uh, you know, they they did a lot of stuff. Uh, not to not to uh, go on a tangent about my own stories, which are more important. But um, <laughs> they did a lot of like popular game music that I don't really play, like Halo and Call of Duty stuff. And I I kind of don't care about that music. Mm, I got you. See, I had never played God of War before I saw video games live, and then when they do the God of War theme. I had goosebumps. Yeah, Kratos does kill somebody in the middle of the audience, which is pretty neat. I think I remember that. Yeah, a lot of blood. A lot of blood. I, video Games Live is fine. I've been there. It's a little gimmicky, whatever. So this concert was the only video game music concert I've ever been to that did not feature a projector over the screen that was showing images of video games. They just played the music. Um. So uh, this is... This is ridiculous. You mean like you mean like a real concert? Like like a real concert. But this this next piece of information is ridiculous. There was an opener for them, and the opener was a Japanese musician by the name of Masashi Hamausu, and he is part of a group called Imeruat. It's I M E R U A T, and uh, Imeruat performed a few original of their original songs, and they performed a few video game tunes actually that Masashi had composed, and guess what video game he composed the music to? Hmm. What's a video game that we've talked about or that we hold dear in our hearts? What's a video game that we've talked about excessively? Uh, please don't tell me Final Fantasy XIII 2. Final Fantasy XIII 2. Let me guess, and he did the Chocobo theme. No, but I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself... 
how the hell am I supposed to talk about this on the podcast? <laughs> because this is essentially, I've become the Final Fantasy thirteen two expert. It's like unqualified with John and Cody, the Final Fantasy thirteen two expert. Uh, by the way, the last DLC pack for Final Fantasy thirteen two came out this week, so I have to review that next week. Oh my god, it never stops. That's a, uh, <laughs> You've basically paid for the game twice now, you know that, right? I have. I actually counted up how much, uh, how much I've spent on microtransactions, and I'll tell you next week. You'll be excited. I'm, I'm excited. That's Foreshadowing, a tease. folks. Yeah, that's a tease for those of us in the biz. Uh, um, so anyway, Amirouette performed a few tracks from Final Fantasy XIII 2, and I thought that was awesome. I was super pumped because you get to hear it live. Now, video game orchestra, is a, they use the term orchestra loosely. It really was a rock band. Right. Um, this guy was a the guitarist, and they had a keyboard and bassist and, uh, and you know the drummer. So it really was pretty much straight up rock, but they did a great job. Um, the vocalist was sick, apparently, and couldn't make it to Asen. So they usually had a vocalist, but they didn't. They just had pre-recorded vocals for this, which was fine. Okay. Um, but they performed, and then Video Game Orchestra came out, which was really basically uh, Emiruwatz plus the addition of this guy that that played. He was a woodwind player. He played an electric clarinet. Which was amazing, and he was also a saxophone player, and he busted out the sax a few times. I think that's what that's what Bach played when he was alive, right? I think it was, yeah, I think it was. Um, video game orchestra rocked. That's basically what I want to say. If you have the chance to see video game orchestra, do it. I guess there are a few different forms that they take. Like, they've also been named the official um, orchestra that performs... At Distant Worlds, which is a Final Fantasy concert, which is an actual orchestra concert. Yes. So I guess some of their concerts are rock concerts, some are orchestra concerts. It varies, but it was awesome. Uh, they they opened with Ken's stage theme from Street Fighter Two, um, a quintessential Street Fighter Two song. You would know it if you heard it. Oh but wow! They, yeah. I, 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 well, what? That, that's that's cool. I mean, yeah. No, it was it was awesome. And this guy with the electric clarinet was just, I mean, he he rocked so hard. It was ridiculous. Um, they rolled into a couple other songs, and then they bring out this vocalist. And this this big Aretha Franklin-looking uh, lady comes out, and they played Snake Eater from Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm-hmm. I had goosebumps the entire time. This woman destroyed this song. I mean, it was, just picture, like, the most soulful kick-ass vocal black woman you could ever imagine and she just wrecked it i mean it was it was stupid how good it was uh i've never heard a video game song of, of any game perform that well live um and she she just ruled it and the saxophone player had a solo in it and it was i was just like how can you even top this um and then she also sang a couple other tunes but i don't remember what they were uh the other one highlight though was they played big blue from f-zero Wow, that's talk about throwbacks. They were kind of all over the place, weren't they? Yeah, they kind of were. Uh, and they did Big Blue from F Zero. And at one point, uh, the guitar there were two guitarists playing. One of them was like you know shredding or whatever, and then the other guitarist started sh- like he took his pick to the other guy's guitar while the guitarist was just using the neck, and the guitarist like actually pressing the frets took his pick and started playing on the other guy. So they were like 
they were strumming each other's guitars while like shredding. That almost sounds sexual. It was it was really cool. It was really really cool. Um, and then of course near the end of the evening they played uh freaking what the hell is it called? Uh, the the encore to every video game music concert in the world actually. One Wigan Angel from Final Fantasy VII. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't like that arrangement at all. At all. Uh, this woman that killed Snake Eater, she, you know, she busted out her operatic chops for this song, and that's fine. But I wish she had just sung it straight up like a pop singer. And uh, sure. And then they closed. I thought that was the end of the show. They closed with "Still Alive" from Portal. Really? Yeah. Which, which is fine. But talk about an anticlimax. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think that is hilarious. I, I mean, it was funny, but it, it was cute. It was a fun concert. But anyway, definitely, definitely go see Video Game Orchestra if you can. Uh, and if you want to Google the, the band or whatever that played with them, it's Imiruat. It's I-M-E-R-U-A-T. Uh, and they were good. So, so this, is not, yeah. this is not the kind of arrangement that video, game lives, that video Games Live has where... So video, game, video Games Live goes to different cities, and they contract with the orchestras of the cities mm-hmm. to play this music, right? This is a band that actually go, tours? From what I've gathered, I don't know. I've been looking around a lot on, uh, you know, things, reputable sources like Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> if you go to the Video Game Orchestra website, because they do have a website, it, it says it's comprised of a chamber orchestra, a five-piece rock band, and a choir and they're they're really multicultural and it looks like they just have different members travel to different places depending on the event. So like I said, it, it's not a it, it does seem like one specific group that tours, but it, they don't really tour together. They just kind of go to random events. They perform at a lot of conventions apparently. because uh, I saw that they were at Asin and they were at PAX um in New York. To be fair, that's where they're going to find their biggest audience, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's not it's not like you're going to get TV commercials about a video games <laughs> orchestra concert. Right, but if you're going to any conventions anytime soon, um, definitely, yeah. And that's the end of my story. But let's get to business. Let's get to the big game on everyone's mind. Yes. Yeah. Speaking about orchestras, uh, Diablo 3, which has absolutely nothing to do with Remember orchestras. Remember earlier when I said that was the second worst transition you'd ever heard? Did I that just That was make the, the worst, worst transition. transition, yeah. Well done. Yeah. All right, so there is a lot to talk about this game, as you can imagine, no. uh, with Diablo 3. So, just a little bit of setup. Diablo 2 came out 12 years ago. Diablo 3 has been in development for 10 years. In the lifespan of of that amount of time, between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, every single Call of Duty, modern Call of Duty game has come Mm -hmm. out. Wow. To give you just an example of how much time has passed. Wow. Okay. Um, As well as uh, every movie setting up the Avengers and the Avengers movie. Yeah. so this this game has been in development for a long time. If you live under a rock and have never heard of Diablo, uh, Diablo invented the hack and slash kind of loot grab genre. The whole point of this game um, it's a it's a top down isometric third person view. Okay, um, so you're a little dude in the middle of the screen, um, and there's enemies spawning all over the place. Okay, and it is your job to kill them. It's a 4X structure. Uh, there is a story. It is not good. 
<laughs> really? Diablo has never been known for its story, though, ever. I thought um, it was about a heartwarming tale about a demon that wanted to fall in love for the first time. There's crystals, and there's crystals that get shattered, and there's demons that possess people, and there's an old man, and all sorts of random dark demony stuff that it's not that good. It's just <laughs> it, angels, and it's just, it's not that good of a story. But it doesn't have to be, because the big draw of Diablo is all in the actual plane of the game. It, And I have never... Actually, it's not that I've never, but I don't think there is a single game out there that does this uh, like obsessive-compulsive slow trickle of new stuff that you, you are getting something new roughly every 15 to 20 minutes that's slightly better than what you're already using. And it does it so well that you just want to keep playing to see what the next good item you're going to get is. All right. Um, so, so let's break it down. So you've got a four-act structure of the game. Um, the game starts off with just absolutely no backstory. You're a character that gets summoned. You are one of five character classes that gets summoned to, uh, to New Tristram. Uh, in the world of Sanctuary. That's the name of the world. Um, and a comet has fallen and undead have started to rise. So there is a one-line intro. Uh, for instance, the monk starts off and he's like, my, uh, my elders have told me to come from the east to investigate the comet. That is literally the first thing he says, and you are on your way. Are you a voice actor? The, the, the monk. Like the monk character class once you start the game. No, you, you, that sounded pretty good. Well, I, I did the voice acting for the game. Okay, oh, that's okay. That's okay. actually not true. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer to all Blizzard Activision employees listening. Look for me in the credits. So, <laughs> the uh, I, I mean, that's the kind of backstory you get. You go, you go to town, and uh, you you find out that spoilers: the Skeleton King from the first game is back and terrorizing people. Oh what my I'm, god! You ruined the whole series for me. I know, I know. I'm very sorry. I literally just told you everything that happened in the beta of the game, <laughs> which many people played. So, uh, point is, though, is like you you go out on this adventure, and every character class is is very different. Now, I played. I got an. I was. I was one of the lucky ones that got an invite to the beta of the game. I played it for about two months. The beta. I honestly probably sunk about twenty hours into the beta, because I did. The beta just takes you up through when you kill the skeleton king. I played every single one of the five character classes up to that point in the game, and they all feel incredibly different. Really. Yes, there are two melee character classes. Those would be the Barbarian and the Monk. And then there's three kind of ranged character classes. There's um, a wizard, who is your kind of stereotypical fantasy wizard with lots of different elemental-type spells. There's a demon hunter, who's your kind of ranger character class, uses bows. And then there's a witch doctor, who's your... He's kind of like a voodoo, uh, dark, occulty-type magic. Kind of a cool character class, class that I'm playing continually playing through the game with right now. So I got a lot of experience with each of the different character classes. They really do all feel very different. However, they feel so overwhelmingly powerful. Um, like, you you f- are, are constantly feeling like you're going to die, especially in the higher difficulties of the game. But you also feel like you are just t- tearing through monsters. Um, and there are algorithms that are set uh, on the 
the server side of the game. So the, the game is constantly doing math every time you break an object, every time you kill a monster that determines if an item is going to drop and what item is going to drop. Um, and so you're, you're you know, seeing blue items, which are like uncommons, and then you see yellow items, which are unique items, constantly flying everywhere. There's gold dropping all the time. Um, one of the things they added to Diablo for the first time are um, trainable like artisans. So there's a blacksmith and a jewel crafter and you use gold to train them so they can make better items. And then you also find once they level up to a certain point, they don't just take gold to level. They then take uh, these other items you find specifically pages of blacksmithing and pages of jewel crafting. So those start dropping. Um, and there's just, there's just so much to collect and there's and you're con- there's you know nine pieces of equipment for your character that are constantly getting upgraded. It's just this loot horror fest of <laughs> fantasticness, and everything just feels so good. The sound effects, like something something like sound design, is something I think you take for granted until it's bad. Yeah, uh, it's so good in this game. Like when stuff dies, just the sounds that they make when they die when when you f- you fire your weapon or you fire your ability, just the sound it makes is so satisfying. Um, uh, I've been playing a lot with, with a friend who, who is playing a monk, a monk character class, and when the monk punches, the amount of weight and force you like feel behind that punch, just it feels so good, and it sounds so good. The game is just so gratifying to play. Um, and while, the, again, the story just sucks... The gameplay is so engaging and so good that I, I there were people that were playing Diablo 2 until Diablo 3 came out. When a game has enough legs to be played for 12 years, that says something, I think, about the design of that game, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and I would say Diablo 3, I, I mean, may have that kind of staying power. Um However, the launch of this game was not without its faults. Yeah, I heard some things went awry. Yeah, very much awry. Were you, um, were you a midnight release guy? I, I was not. Um, I I had to work the day it came out. Mm. Um, I I unfortunately now have have a real life, which you know, back when Diablo two came out, I I was in school, so you can kind of consider that not a real life. <laughs> yeah, but I like I had to work a twelve hour. I had worked for twelve hours the day that the game came out, so. I went to bed at, at 10 o'clock, which is much earlier than I normally go to bed, and I, I woke up at 6, because I don't have to be at work till 9. I work 5 minutes from my house. So, uh, I woke up at 6 so I could play for like 2 hours before I had to go into work. Yeah, squeeze it in the morning. Good call. Yeah, so I woke up at 6, I made a pot of coffee, I logged into the servers, I got in no problems at all, and I played for 2 hours, and I, was, I wasn't really following the midnight release part because I had gone to bed, and when I woke up, all I wanted to do was play, so I didn't really delve into the news surrounding the game and like i said when i when i got in at six o'clock in the morning i got in no problems and i was just playing the game um so i played for two hours and then i went to work and i worked forever and then i came home with the intent of playing a little bit more of the game before i had to go to bed and work the next day so when i got home i logged in and keep in mind we're at like seven o'clock pacific time which is where blizzard is is stationed blizzard is stationed out of california um and it's about 7 o'clock their time, and I logged in, and stuff was moving slow, but I still managed to get into the game. And keep in mind, I, I am very up-to-date with, with video game news. I follow it quite religiously, but 
I still had not really followed anything because I was at work, um, and when I got home, I didn't really look at news. I just wanted to play the game more. So I was playing for about an hour, and I was I was uh, I was planning on playing until about midnight that night. Keep in mind, this is the second day the game has come out. I was planning on playing until about midnight that night, and at about ten o'clock, I got booted. Now, uh, this brings up something that is a very controversial choice that Blizzard went with this game is it is a single-player game kind of fundamentally. However, in order to play the game, you must be and constantly be connected to the Internet, not only when you log into the game, but throughout the entire course of you playing the game as well. This is very uncommon. You can see how that would be kind of a controversial choice, well, right? That's the same thing as digital rights management, right? DRM? Well, it is a type of DRM. There are other forms of DRM. Okay. Um, for instance, the, like the code that you get, that you used to get in the back of a, of a PC box and you have to put in the code in order to unlock the game, that is also a form of DRM. This just happens to be kind of the strictest form of DRM. Okay, but um, they, there are games that have done this this strict amount before, right? No, no. This is the first single-player, always online, video game. Oh, I right? did not know that. I can think of now. Um, obviously, I don't know every single game that's ever been made, but this, to my knowledge, and if this is not the first, this is certainly the biggest and most well-known game that has done this. Oh yeah, okay. I will say that everything that you buy on Steam, uh, you must be online to start the game. But once you start the game, if, for instance, your internet connection gets disrupted, the game will continue to go. Because that DRM, basically what it'll do is it will verify that you legally own that game once you, once you boot up the game. And then it's like, all right, you legally own this game. We're good. Right. Uh, now, there are reasons why Blizzard made this choice. But the point is, is like, imagine you went out and bought Final Fantasy XIII 2, your favorite video game of all time. Sure. And, um, <laughs> and you, uh, you got home and you went to put in the disc and you you booted up the game and it said servers are down you cannot play final fantasy 13 2 yet that would piss me off yeah and it pissed off a lot of people because apparently and remember i was not up at midnight apparently you could not log into the game servers i heard it was pretty clogged period like there were people that that you know bought this game for 60 dollars downloaded it were amped and ready to go at midnight on that release on that release day, and they tried to log in, and they got Error 37. And Error 37 was a trending topic on Twitter across the world at midnight that night. No shit. No shit. So somebody immediately registered the uh, the Twitter account Error 37, uh, <laughs> as as is wont to happen on Twitter. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know, like it was it was Error 37. Error 37. It was basically the servers are clogged. That was what this error meant. Um, and there were people that tried for three, four hours. And frankly, one, that's a lot of dedication, but two, that's, that's kind of dumb when it's, when it's midnight, right? You well, should probably just go to bed and try in the morning. But people tried for like three or four hours to get into the game and play the game. Um, I probably would have been discouraged and, and gone to bed kind of after an hour's worth of trying. Maybe two, possibly three, maybe up to six hours <laughs> worth of trying before I went to bed. Uh, but the point is, is like you, people could not get into the game. People paid sixty dollars for a game, and they could not play the game. And it is a single player game. It pissed a lot of people off. We well, yeah, a lot of ten people. years. I mean, there are people that could have taken their day off work the next day to play this game. That is not unrealistic at all. There are a lot of people that took time off work to play the game. And that is why, I mean, if I'm sitting there, I'm not just going to say, oh well, I tried for an hour. 
I'm just going to go to bed. I have the day off work the next day, and I wanted to play this, you know, really badly. I mean, <laughs> I'm planning on taking the day off work the day after George R.R. R. Martin's next book comes out next year. You quit your job. In fact, you got fired from your job so you could play Final Fantasy XIII two the day it came. Yeah, out. I actually got. Yeah, I got. I went to my boss in my last job and I said, "Look, Final Fantasy XIII two just came out. I need you to fire my ass right now so I can play it." And he did, and that was nice. Um, right. Right. Exactly. So, so I, I've been there, but I, I uh, get what you're saying. I, I guess. I guess I don't get what you're saying. I guess I'm agreeing to disagree. I guess I'm just disagreeing in general. That's that's fine. It's nice. You asshole. So you're so wrong reason, about everything you've said. Here's the reason why this had this has to be the way that this game is. This is why the, this is the reason why the game has to be a single player always online game. Blizzard is implementing uh, a and th- this has never been done before. They're implementing a real money auction house in their game for their digital goods. Um, Maybe this has been done in some like social Facebook games or some games overseas. Again, not in a game of this caliber. Right. So one of the things that you will be allowed to do, and this this has not gone live yet because of all of the problems that went on with this launch. Uh, they had to move the release date of this back. But what it's going to be is you will have your PayPal account linked to your Blizzard account, which has its own money, which will be linked to Diablo 3. You will be able to post items up to a maximum of $250 per item to sell on a real money auction house that is uh, run by Blizzard. Blizzard will take uh, a cut of items, of course. Um, For instance, for items that you sell that are not commodities, commodities being things like those pages to train your artisans, or gold, um, or crafting supplies... For, these are for like individual items, like a sword or a helmet. They take a dollar, flat. No okay. matter how much you sell it for, of individual items like that, they take a dollar. For commodities, which, and this is really cool. Say you've got a hundred thousand gold you want to sell, you can put that hundred thousand up, and people can buy pieces of it, so they can buy ten thousand gold at a time. Uh, for commodities like that, Blizzard will get a fifteen percent cut. PayPal gets a fifteen percent cut for the processing fee to change this Diablo 3 Blizzard money into real money. Good. But the point is, is I mean, and, and to be fair, a dollar from Blizzard and 15% from PayPal for a service like this, it, it really, in the grand scheme of things, is not a lot. Nah. It's really not. So, um, the, the point is, is you can, if you find people crazy enough to buy these items, which... There are people that played Diablo 2 for 12 years. There are people that are going to be crazy enough to buy these items. You will actually be able to make money while playing this game if you find stuff you don't want to use, if that's kind of your thing. And the reason why they did this is because there's been an underground market for this stuff forever. Oh, yeah. There have been people that have been buying and selling on the black market of eBay for Diablo 2 items forever, Mm -hmm. ever since Diablo 2 came out. Look at World of Warcraft. It has the same problem where there are gold farmers that will farm gold in the game and then they'll sell it for real money on a different service this is just blizzard uh turning that into a profit for themselves that's i mean that's that's ultimately what they're doing and they're making it safe for the buyer and the seller whereas when you're on kind of a black market site there's no guarantees anywhere it's not safe for anybody so blizzard is basically 
using their resources and taking a cut of it to make it safe for everybody to do. Yeah, I think it's it's genius, really. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. It's a it's a brilliant business plan. It is, and this is why it has to always be online because when you are dealing with real money, when people are buying and selling virtual goods for real money, I, I can't think of I can't think of something short of like uh, health that would be uh, that would necessitate a, a greater need for security. Yeah, in terms of of transactions. So do you so, think this is justified then? I do. I do. I don't have a problem with it. And I'll be honest, sh- after that first two or three days where the servers were in and out, they were shutting down, they were constantly doing maintenance, I really don't foresee the servers kind of going down for anything more than routine maintenance again. Yeah. You know, I think it was just that first server overload, but I bet that's the last we hear of it, really. And the the amount of security that comes along with this is Blizzard can constantly monitor where if if there were any kind of cheating to occur now the fact that you have to be online that will allow them to constantly monitor this stuff and when you're dealing with a true economy with real money that is very important so i do think this is just i think this online this always online drm thing is justified and frankly i think this is kind of where the world is going to be going in the future um 15, 20 years down the road, I don't think you're going to be able to walk into a store and buy video games anymore. Maybe you can, but I think the majority of people will get them from download. Like, I think I think something like Steam is the way of the future, where you buy the game digitally, you download it to a system, and all it does is it just checks whether you actually own that game, would you want to play it, and once it finds out that you do, you play the game. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I I agree. Most games I think are trending that way. The only things stopping that I think are like PlayStation Three because a Blu-ray is huge. Yes, you can't download a Blu-ray. I mean, it'll take a long time. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This is a that's a whole different discussion. It is certainly not something that we're going to tackle. No, we are not qualified for that on this show. But the point is, is to me, I feel. And, and I have not used the Real Money Auction House. Nobody has. We'll see just how big of a deal it actually is once it starts. But to me, this this single-player DRM is totally justified. Like, this this always online is, is totally justified for that reason. Now, I haven't really talked about the game at all. Let's just say that I've probably, in four days, sunk about 30 hours of, of gameplay into the game. Wow. I fucking love this game. It is everything I wanted it to be and more. Um, there are people that complain that it's too easy. Uh, I just recently started the second difficulty. There are four difficulty levels. Um, and the second difficulty level, I feel like, is where the game really starts. Uh, it It is much more difficult than the first one was. But the game is just so much... It's just a joy to play. Like, just slaughtering millions of demons is so much fun. It is so much fun. And constantly getting new stuff. It, you just you, you are constantly feeling like you are upgrading yourself. Yeah, now how, while you're playing how many game. of this 30 hours was single player? Um... Uh, about half of it. So I've got two characters going on right now. I've got one that I've been playing with a friend of mine um, pretty, pretty much exclusively. Like, I, I only play this character when he is online. Mm-hmm. And I believe vice versa. I believe he's doing the same thing. Um, and then I've got another character that I'm playing by myself um, solo. Uh, and both are fun to play. The game scales, I think, very well. What they do is they basically they bump... All they do is they bump the health of the monsters up from what I understand, about 75% per player up to a maximum of four players. Oh. 
And that's it. I mean, that's the only thing. The da- the damage is consistent across the board from these monsters. They just there's more health, so they're more difficult to kill. There's no difference uh, in the quantity or quality of loot that drops. It's just playing with other people is fun, right? Playing video games with other people is fun. Yeah. So let's make playing with other people just as much fun as playing by yourself. Um, and that's that's kind of what they do. Um, the way that they do multiplayer is very intuitive, super easy. At any point in the game, um, you know, there's there's probably... <sighs> Altogether, there's probably about 40 quests in the game. Um, just This is me giving an estimation. There's probably about 40 quests in the game. At any point, you can start on any quest that you've already previously done before. And you can open your game to the public, and anybody can join your game that wants to if you do that. Huh. And as soon as they join the game, the monsters increase in level. They can. There are banners in the, in the towns that they just click on to teleport to you. Hmm. And suddenly, you're, you're playing and killing demons together. That, like that's how easy it is to get into a game. Have you jumped into other people's games? I have, and it's super easy. And you can see what level the different characters are at that are currently in the game. So you can you know make sure that they're around your level. There's ways to filter out games that are being played so that you can see who's around your level, and it makes it super easy to play. All right, um, man. So it sounds yeah. Go ahead. And and the loot is all done server side, and it's all done per character. So you don't see what other, what's dropping for other people uh, unless they share it with you. They share with you what they drop, what gets dropped. So there's no... You know, one of the problems in Diablo 2 was kind of ninja looting when stuff would drop when you're in groups. There's none of that anymore. Because your loot is your is your loot in your game. Nice. It's great. It's such... Like, it is such a smart decision. Um, and assholes probably don't like it as much because they can't be as dick yeah but for the general population that aren't asshole well i mean we are talking about the internet here so maybe 50 percent of all internet users are assholes is that it oh at least are you kidding i would put it more towards 90 so for the 10 percent of us that aren't assholes it's great to 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 have this kind of system in place for you other 90 percent, i'm sorry uh you can still find ways to be assholes i promise there are ways but but it's it just it's there were so many smart decisions made uh, with this game that, to me, it feels like a Diablo game 100%. Like, it is it is what I want out of a Diablo game. It is killing a bunch of shit, getting, constantly getting new loot, constantly improving your character, only making it easier to play with other people, uh, and they're, they're giving you abilities and I didn't even talk about the ability system and I'm sure we'll talk about this game the next time we podcast too because I'll continue to be playing it but I'll talk about that the next time like the ability system um, and how they kind of dole that out yeah definitely I, what are you not explored in the game yet that you think is going to shed some further insight into your uh, perspective on the game in our next podcast I think more than anything the higher difficulty levels because it it really kind of kind of the way that the game feels to me so far is that the, you have to go through you have to go through the lower difficulty levels for each individual character and you slowly work your way up to the highest, right? Okay. The normal difficulty felt like playing and maybe maybe the listeners maybe our listeners will will get this reference, but it, it felt like playing Mass Effect 2 on the regular difficulty. It is not hard at all. It is in fact it is it is quite easy. You can die if you get into certain tough situations there are certain bosses that might give you trouble right but overall the game is kind of a cakewalk 
I just the second difficulty level is Nightmare, which is what I've just started with another character. And again, it really feels like where the game starts. There's a constant, like there's a constant feeling of threat from from some of the more elite enemies that you can encounter. Enemies are given new abilities that are much more difficult to deal with, um, and the game feels a lot more fun already, just because it's a lot more dangerous. So I think as the difficulty levels ramp up, which I imagine I'll probably be at the next difficulty level the next time we podcast. Um, I'll really I'll be able to kind of tell more about it, and I can talk all about the abilities too, which is a long discussion in and of itself. I gotcha. So far, the game is awesome. Good, and okay. I highly recommend if you like PC gaming, if you like hack and slash role playing games, to pick it up. Do people have the option to start on a higher difficulty if they don't want to go through that entry level easier stuff? They don't, but that's kind of always been the way that. Diablo has been set up. Okay. In Diablo 2, you had to reach... It wasn't that you had to beat the game first, but you had to reach a certain level before the higher difficulty levels would unlock. Okay, and the second so, difficulty level is called Nightmare, or what are the other two called? The third one is called Hell. <laughs> I figured. And the fourth difficulty level, which is only playable at level 60, which is the max level, Wow. is called Inferno. And from my understanding, that difficulty level is insane. So. I would hope so. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Well, so what you're saying is basically pick up Diablo 3 unless you're Cody. I'm going to be playing it for a long time. Because I'm an asshole. I'm, I'm going to be playing it for a long time. It's my Final Fantasy 13 too, I think. Oh, uh, boy. At least, at least of the next few months. Then get ready for 10 new episodes of Diablo 3, listener. Every time they release uh, a new costume pack, you will be the first to know, listener. Oh, man. I can't wait. Maybe Maybe I'll download a costume pack and gift it to you. Speaking of costume packs, tell me about the game you've been playing. <laughs> Another seamless transition. Well, I won't go into a lot of detail. I want to save a lot of it for the next podcast. But I downloaded and started playing Fez, which is... Wait, isn't that a hat you wear? Yeah, it is, it is a hat you wear. In fact, uh, the 10th te- the, uh, the Doctor, Doctor Who, uh, Matt, Matt Smith, wears a Fez in some episodes. And there you go, listener. Yeah, he says Fez is a cool... In a better British accent than that. But Fez um, was uh, developed by a Polytron Corporation. You've probably never heard of them, because I haven't. If, if I'm not mistaken, it, it really was kind of done by one dude, right? I don't know for it, sure. It was done by one dude who was working on this game for a very long time. Seven years. Yes. It's, it's, it's actually been in development for seven years. Um, and it's a 2D platformer, but it's in a three-dimensional world to where you can rotate your world 90 degrees and reveal an entirely new world. So have you ever played Paper Mario? Yes. So this is just like Paper Mario, only there are four dimensions. And when you turn 90 degrees, when you turn your perspective 90 degrees, it can open up new paths or uh, uh, move a block somewhere else to where in your 2D world you can reach it. And there's been a lot of critical praise and acclaim for this being so kind of groundbreaking in a way but the thing is from what I've gathered thus far it's not it doesn't feel I haven't had any of those moments of discovery where I go oh that's really cool have you ever no, been, you'll go ahead I, I would liken uh, this to there There are people who played uh, Braid which is yes. a puzzle, plat, puzzle platforming game where the aha moments were like the thing, like you play that game for the aha moments where you figure something out and you feel like a like a fucking genius. Do you feel like that at all when you play this? 
I have not gotten any of those moments. Uh, did no, you Did you play Braid? I played Braid. I played did, Braid start to finish and loved it. Did you get those moments from Braid? Oh, yeah. Did okay. you? Um, I've, I've only played the first 20, 30 minutes of Braid, and I feel like I might be a little too stupid for it, but, you know, it's... Yeah, go ahead and continue. It is a very hard game. <laughs> there were a couple puzzles, and I refused to look at a strategy guide, but I can tell you that I did beat Braid start to finish without any hints or cheats. It was very hard. A couple of the puzzles, I can tell you straight up, I have no idea how I solved them. It was dumb right. luck. Um, but I, I happened to do it. Uh, Fez, I haven't reached any puzzles, per se. Uh, literally, all I've done in the game really is jump around. Uh, all of the environments slash worlds slash levels have been very similar. You turn a few times and find some rooms, and you find some cube bits, and then that's pretty much it. Uh, have you ever played Mario Galaxy? Yes. Here's how I feel about it. In Mario Galaxy, the first time I played Mario Galaxy... Every couple of levels, something will happen. Either the gravity changes, or you're shifting from one planet to another. Something happens with the physics and the perspective that really makes you say, Oh my god, that's awesome. You just have these moments of discovery where you think to yourself, like, it just clicks in your brain. And it's almost like it gets you on a brain high. It's almost erotic, (laughs) the way that you're just like, this really works. And it's very pleasing. I, I can see that some people maybe want to get that out of Fez, or how there's that potential in Fez, but I haven't reached that potential yet. Um, so I want to hold off on a full review of the game. I want to say, first impressions, it's not blowing my mind, but I don't think it's supposed to at the start. And this how, do you is... feel, how do you feel about this perspective change? I mean, is it, is it cool? No. And, and that's, that's, too bad. that's the problem. See, I, I would think... There has to be something clever that happens, where when you change your perspective, you you say to yourself, oh, wow, I didn't think that would happen, or oh, that's cool what they did there. I haven't gotten that yet. I haven't gotten that Mario Galaxy or Braid moment where I say to myself, that is cool. Um, At all. At all. It's very vanilla, the way the perspective changes. I mean, I'll, I'll rotate the camera. Okay, now this platform is four pixels closer. Now I can jump on it. I Okay. That's great, but it didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I guess I'll get there eventually. Um, so, I want to hold off. But I do want to kind of end with a really interesting note. On Metacritic, uh, the review score for Fez is 89 out of 100, which is very high. Wow, that is very high. For Metacritic. For those who don't know, I mean, Metacritic aggregates scores from everywhere on the internet. And, I mean... <laughs> Even really good games usually land around a 70 or 75, just because any negative review will pull it down so low. 89 is very, very good. I think the highest of all time is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which is a 96, I think. Mm-hmm. So an 89 is pretty good. Um, the user score, the, the aggregate um, user reviews score, is a 6.2 out of 10. Hmm. Which is very interesting to me because sometimes you'll get games where the critics will trash a game and the fanboys will, you know, praise it. Like a Metroid. I think that's probably the more common situation. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. I, I've not seen commonly a situation where the critics really praise a game and the viewers trash it. 
usually it's the other way around. Like I said, like a fanboy, like if they give Metroid Other M a low review, the users are going to boost it up because they're Nintendo fans, and that's fine. But I've very rarely seen it where it goes down, especially by 27 points. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting. I don't know if this is just a critic's dream kind of a thing or or what the story is but I'm going to keep playing it I want to I want to try and reach one of those aha moments and I will follow up next week but I got it on Xbox 360 it was 10 bucks it's hard to argue with that downloadable games are fun uh, I read one place that it's a three hour game but I don't see how that's possible interesting uh, I also read that the first Portal game was three hours and it felt more like eight to me but maybe it was three or four I don't know Well, I look forward to hearing more about it next time. Yeah, I know. That's a big tease for the listeners. So we'll get another podcast out next Monday, because it's when we do this, Mondays. Except for last week, because Joe was busy. Kind (laughs) of. Diablo 3 came out. Uh, Diablo 3 did come out. Um, So until then, you can um, comment on our iTunes feed or on uh, unqualified.podbean.com. Or we're also on Twitter, and you can find our Twitter uh, pages at unqualified.podbean.com. I, be- I believe. Very good. It was very good. And shut your mouth. I, th- I think you. I think you shut me up right there. Are there any Zerg in Diablo Three? Until next time, listener. We should end every podcast with key 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 key. No. No. <laughs> <laughs>